This is your host, Tia. This is your host, Tia. Welcome back to another exciting episode of the Top 10. Why? Geek Vibe Nation. Geek Vibe Nation. 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 The Top 10. The Top 10. We're all sick. Hello, 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 everyone. Welcome back to another amazing episode of the Top 10 by Geek Vibes Nation. As always, I'm your host, Tia, and tonight's episode, first of all, I must say that normally we do the Top 10 on Sunday mornings, but considering it's a holiday tomorrow, uh, we did decide to move it to Saturday night, but Anyway, let's get to the topic at hand. We are doing the top 10 supporting characters because as much as the main characters are the focal point of either movies or TV shows, um, it's really sometimes the supporting characters that really just make uh, make the show. So uh, without further ado, I am actually going to introduce my co-host for tonight. This is the first time for him being on this show. Uh, he is the maker of that awesome uh, intro uh, theme song. Which story sounds terrible. <laughs> also, I can hear you drinking coffee, just to let you know. But anyway, as oh, I was me? saying, for my in- yes, I can. Uh, <laughs> for my introduction, uh, this is Paul McCarthy, who also happens to be my boyfriend. So thank you so much, Paul, for hopping on tonight. Yeah, welcome, girlfriend, Tia. <laughs> yes, uh, I only think it's fair because last episode when we did Geeks Against the Grain, I had Marty and his awesome wife on, so now it's Mimi and my boyfriend, so we're kind of like going within the scene here. So, Polly, um, <laughs> thank you for being here, and thank you for the intro that you provided for the top ten. You're very welcome. I just wish it didn't sound so muffled. Well, you know, that's blog talk radio for you, but we will get on that at some other point. So Yeah, maybe I'll equalize it. (laughs) Um, Let's just jump in for the top ten. So, Paulie, I know that this is your first time on this, so I'm going to kind of take number ten. I don't normally like taking the number ten spot just because I always like to give my guests um, that honor, but I'm going to do it. Well, I'm down. Oh, okay, perfect. You're well, ready. Go ahead. I don't want to steal it from you, but yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> All right. Well, you know what? There's no time like the now, so give me your number 10 spot for the top supporting uh, characters. Well, as you know, I'm not much of a TV person, so I'm not too, too familiar with that character names. So the first person I thought of was Micro from the Punisher, David Lieberman. Mm-hmm. I thought he was a great supporting actor. I mean, even though he wasn't in the entire series, but when he was, it was like, you know, they belonged together, him and Micro. Uh, the Punisher and Micro. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it does suck that Micro didn't get to be in the second season. I'm not sure if that was intentional or the actor just couldn't fit it into his schedule, but uh, Micro really brought a lot out of Frank Castle because if you think about it, yeah, if you think about it, Frank Castle was 
uh, not in a good point at that moment after Daredevil season two. He really just, first of all, he was slumming it. He was living in a very shitty apartment. Um, Plus, he, he was like basically a closed door. He had he was a wall that you couldn't take down. Exactly, exactly. And even though he was so hesitant uh, towards Micro at first, obviously, Frank Castle, as you just said, um, kept his walls up. So why was he going to trust someone who just comes into his life who seemingly knows so much about him even more than he does? But uh, I saw this thing online that kind of pointed out how Micro was really bringing Frank back into being a person. When I say yeah. that, when I say that, I mean, and someone points this out, and I thought it was the perfect analogy. At like an emotional we, person? Well, at first we see Frank eating pretty much beans out of a can, and by the time the show and Tim and Micro are having legit meals together, and beforehand exactly. he's not living... He was not living as a person. He was almost just living as a shell, and Micro helped him with that. Well, I mean, if you killed somebody most days of your life, I'd probably be like that, too. Uh, Well, yes, exactly. (laughs) You know what I mean? Plus, he was in the military, so that's how they're trained to be. uh, You know, they're trained to be, like, emotionless, fearless warriors, but we do see that Frank really wasn't like that. At initially, when he came back, he wanted to be back with his wife. But really, obviously, the tragedy. And I'm so sorry, everyone, by the way. Uh, we live in Yonkers, and apparently there's just always pop cars with their sirens whenever I feel like doing one of these podcasts. So I do apologize to the listeners. It's barbecues. <laughs> Uh, in my oh. old apartment, people used to set fires constantly having barbecues. I remember that. I remember that. Like entire <laughs> trees. <laughs> with uh, with Micro, though, it's just, I, I think this is a fantastic pick to kind of start everything off. You obviously know how much I love The Punisher. The sad yep. thing is. The sad thing is the fact that we're not going to get a season three because I read this thing that uh, Micro's absence from season two wasn't intended on staying that way, that he was going to be in season three. So the fact that we're not getting a season three is just so damn heartbreaking. And as everyone knows at Geek Fives Nation, I will never, ever, ever forgive Netflix for pulling the plug on the Marvel shows. I just... Not well, not even great. that. Like, why gas us up and say that he's gonna be, and then do that? Like, you know what I mean? Well, that's kind of like, and I don't want to add fuel to the fire because this topic, and I know you don't go on Twitter that often, but this topic is makes people absolutely nuts. But the fact that oh. Zach, the fact that Zack Snyder isn't involved in DC anymore, but he keeps coming out and saying what his plans were going to be for future DC movies or telling them what could have been in Justice League that wasn't Justice League. People just go nuts. And at this point, it is a bit like, all right, it's never going to happen. But yet every week we're putting out a new story because something else is dropping. So I do feel that way. And the fact that I would have loved a third season, I'm so angry that we're not getting a third season, but I 
don't want to know what was going to be in a third season because it's just going to make me sadder that I'm never going to see it. So Yeah, just, of course. I mean, I could go for six seasons, seasons or even more with The Punisher. I could have. I really could have because I feel like they could have done it justice. So that's just unfortunate. But uh, moving on. Again, Polly, great number 10. Really happy that you picked that. I am going Thank you. to... <laughs> you are welcome. Uh, I'm going to shoot over and kind of talk about a character who maybe shouldn't be this high on the list, but I still just wanted to put him down. So as I said, we're covering both movies and TV shows, and I am going to put Loki. I'm going to put mm. Loki as a best supporting character because... He has been, first of all, a staple in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. If you think about it, the first two Thor movies, and even the third Thor movie, but mostly the first two Thor movies, really no one was paying that much attention to Thor. They were all paying attention to Loki. He is what made the first Avengers movie, and realistically, no one, um, every time there's a villain, right, in the Marvel movies, Everyone compares him to Loki. Everyone says, yeah, but none of these villains, except for Thanos, is able well, to Well, Loki have... was complicated. He he wasn't... He was a villain, but at the same time, he was, like, really complicated. Like, he had his good times. Right, which is what made him such a well-rounded character, because Marvel has this... Uh, I don't know what it is with their movies, but they have a problem with bringing out these one-dimensional villains and then either killing them off at the end of the movie or just forgetting about them completely. So Loki was really one of the only villains, again, uh, up until Thanos, that the Marvel Studios took time to really flesh out. And the uh, fan base obviously really uh, resonated with this character because and I said this on one of the former top tens, but Tom Hiddleston, who plays Loki, was supposed to die off in the second Thor. That was supposed to be it. But um, Well, you've with- got to think about the fact, too, that he is Loki. He's a god, god of mischief. So that's just his nature, to be mischievous, like even if he doesn't want to be. Right. And, you know, he was supposed to die off in the second Thor, but because they had kind of like test piloted that out and it got such a negative response from fans, that's why they brought him back and that's why they continued bringing him back. And the fact that, yes, he did die technically in Infinity War, but I know you don't kind of know this, Polly, but they're, uh, they're coming out with a, another streaming service called Disney Plus, right? And it's okay. going to have... And it's gonna have um, a lot of Marvel content because Disney owns Marvel and they're actually developing a Loki solo series for Disney plus with Tom Hiddleston reprising his role. Is it? Oh, so it's going to continue off of what, where he left off. Actually what the premise last I heard of the show is going to be is pretty much, um, almost a prequel, but it's going to be Loki uh, pretty much messing with events in history because he's, as you said, the god of mischief. Right, and he's a sorcerer, so it's going to be pretty much 
uh, moments in history that he has almost had a part of because of just his nature. So I don't know if that necessarily means that we're going to see him come back in Endgame or they're going to keep him dead and this is going to be almost like a consolation prize for fans. Like, hey, Loki may be dead in the movie universe, but at least you get this awesome show with him. So Exactly. But that should show you how much of a great supporting character he's been because now we're going to get a series with him. And the fact that as much of a villain as he could be, that Thor has never given up on him. And really in that third movie, Thor Ragnarok, the brotherly bond between the two of them was just such an important message in the movie. I just Of course it, it was. <laughs> well, not to cut you off, but this is just my opinion, but I feel like he was, Thor acted like that toward him. For the same reason, because he's the goddess, he's the god of mischief, you know. Plus, they're brothers, so Thor must know that that's how he is. You know what I mean? It's not like he was born good like Thor and then became like that. He just couldn't help himself. Well, you know, I'm such an a Loki. An apo- I'm such a Loki apologist because you know, if you grew up like Loki, always having that feeling in the back of your head you're being treated differently but no one's giving you answers and then suddenly you find out from your dad that you actually are adopted but not only that but you're really a frost giant which were you know are the people that the Asgardians uh fear and stuff like that and that that would be a cool show to show his childhood well what I've always wanted to see from day one, because I don't know if you remember this, Wally, but in the first Thor, right, when Loki, yeah. and you know, I, I know this stuff because I've watched these movies a thousand times, but when yeah, you <laughs> when you go back and watch and he first picks up, um, it's not the Tesseract, it's another item that's a blue square for some reason. It belongs to the Frost Giants, but he Did picks it, shock it up. Him? No, he picks it up and his skin turns blue because that's what he's really supposed to be. And mm. I'm, I'm mad that we never, after that, thought a blue Loki again. I thought it would have been so cool if in Infinity War, right, when Thanos killed him, the magic yeah. that the magic that essentially cloaked him to make him look like a quote-unquote normal person was, you know, vanished and he was blue again. I the well, fact that, I guess when you're dead, you're dead. <laughs> I'm just saying the fact that the Russo brothers, who are the ones who directed Infinity Wars, didn't do that is such a misstep on my, on like how I feel. I just think it's a misstep on their part that they should have taken more advantage of. So I'm well, hoping, what if he didn't just turn blue? What if he actually continued and actually turned into a frost giant completely? No, 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 no. I don't like that. You gotta keep Tom Hiddleston looking like Tom Hiddleston. I'm just saying. Well, that's what I mean. Like I wouldn't want to. I would rather look like him than a frost giant. <laughs> I I see what you're saying, but that's just me personally and my selfish uh, uh, reasons. <laughs> but well, you got Beast from X Men is blue. If you really want to fix on someone blue. Who? Beast from X Men. 
Twelve uh, Beast, Nightcrawler, Mystique. Blue seems to be a common color that they like to make people. Uh, Drax and Guardians of the Galaxy is blue. Stuff well, like because that. blue represents calmness and peaceness, so I guess to show that they're good guys. Well. Maybe, mm, I don't know. Just speculating. Not, not always, because Mystique was definitely not a good guy. But. Oh, yeah, no, no, not at all. But she also <laughs> had scales. That is very true. And she's a, <laughs> she, she's a shapeshifter, much like Loki can be a shapeshifter. So I'm really excited for the show on Disney+. Plus. Well, that's just going to be another thing that we're going to have to pay for when it comes out. Uh, I just hope Disney doesn't water it down. You know, it's You know funny. what I mean? And not to kind of go a little off topic, but, you know, Disney recently acquired Fox and yada yada, and Deadpool is a property of Fox. And obviously Deadpool is rated R. There's a lot of adult content, a lot of swearing, a lot of gore, and people are worried because Disney acquired them and Disney said they're going to keep Ryan Reynolds as Deadpool and people are worried about Disney watering it down. But just this week, um, Disney kind of assured people that they were going to keep it as is because they know that's kind of important to the character to be able to Not have even that. that. Freedom. I saw an article recently. I didn't read the whole thing, but I quickly scanned it, and they were saying that they were thinking about basically Deadpool would be the next big thing in the movies, like the the next major character, kind of like Iron Man was in the beginning. Well, Deadpool's already a phenomenon. That's why Disney is deciding to keep Ryan Reynolds as Deadpool because uh, Disney's not keeping any of the other characters. Uh, and when yeah, I say that, sucks. it's not that they're not keeping the characters; they're not keeping the actors. They're going to recast and well, pretty much. What I mean, that's terrible. Hmm, Polly, uh, that is like, not the consensus of uh, people. I only say that because uh, the latest trends in the X Men movies have just not been good. So I hate X Men. X Men sucks. Ooh, ooh. That's Sorry for everybody who likes X-Men, but I, I, I like the first few X-Men, but not as a whole. Well, that's why Disney needs to recast them and introduce them into the Avengers universe because Disney can do it properly. And I, I don't mean to insult any of the actors who are currently X-Men, but just Fox has not been doing good with them in the past few years. No one is really excited for Dark Phoenix. New Mutants um, has nah. gotten New Mutants has gotten delayed again. I highly doubt that that movie is ever going to make it out on screen. It's going to be one of those things that if it does, it's going to go to Hulu or something like that. But, yeah. Well, I didn't necessarily mean X-Men. I was kind of thinking, like, Marvel characters. Like, I wouldn't want to watch Tony Stark's character change. You know, not Iron Man, but who plays him. Well, you know... You know, that would suck to me. Like You know, with Avengers Endgame... Um, it's definitely going to be, it's, it's definitely going to be the end, uh, for many of the long-term characters because they already want to shift gears into the new generation of Marvel characters. And 
I'm both excited and bittersweet about it because I'm excited to see who are the new people. You know, obviously Spider-Man's one of the newer people and stuff like that. But, you know, we've had now for the past 10 years Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man, Chris Hemsworth as Thor, Chris Evans as Captain America. So it's kind of When does that game come out? Uh, It comes out on the 26th, but uh, as you know, I actually am seeing an early screening on Tuesday for Avengers Endgame. We don't really know exactly where those characters went when they got disappeared by uh, Thanos. Like, they could be anywhere, you know, like, so we we don't really know. Like, who knows where they went? They just disappeared. They could be in another dimension, in the quantum realm. So there's always a possibility of saving someone, at least. Well, the... uh... The strong theory is that they did go to the quantum realm, and that's why we do see in the trailers the surviving Avengers having quantum realm suits on because they're go- they're prepared to go to the quantum realm. All oh, Ant Man will save them then. Well, we see Ant Man in the trailers, and I thought that was so funny, right? Because I showed my mom the trailer, right? I was like watching, yeah, and, and she goes, "What are those new suits?" And I was like, those are the quantum realm suits. And she goes, what's the quantum realm? And I go, Ma, didn't you watch, like, Ant-Man and uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp? And she was like, yeah. Like, and I was aren't like, you up onto modern science? Like, hello. Oh, <laughs> like, it's everything yeah. in the quantum realm. Like, we're made of it. <laughs> yeah, she just wasn't getting that. I told her she's got to watch a few things before she goes sees the end game because I have a feeling that, She's going to be a little lost, but it's okay. I love you, Mom, if you're listening to this. We're fine with it. Um, <laughs> Plus, they might but, change, though, actually. I mean, uh, I forget her name, but the uh, scientist's uh, wife in Ant-Man, how she came back with powers from the quantum realm. She did, but you remember she got dusted at the end of Ant-Man and the Wasp, so she's not around anymore. At least not present currently. That's the thing. Like, so many people, and I think that's kind of, like, where my mom's at, is that, like, so much has happened that she kind of, like, forgets things. But that's what I'm here for, to remind you. I don't know why Dr. Strange didn't just turn back time and save everyone. Because remember, in Infinity War, he went through all of the possibilities, and there was only one possibility where they could survive. And you realize that he had to give Thanos the Infinity Stone because even though they all, like half of the population got dusted, it was the only outcome that meant that at the end that they could end up defeating Thanos. So, yeah, that's a know, big gamble. We could spend a whole entire podcast talking about endgame theories, um, and I'm not going to give you any spoilers when I get home on Tuesday. I'm just letting you know that now. I'm sorry. You're just gonna... <laughs> okay, no problem. You know you're going to. You can't help yourself. <laughs> Shh, don't tell anyone. Yeah, I mean, you tell me during the movie most of the time. I, I don't need Jawan or Kanan revoking my past, but no. I'm nah, she does, she, she's very good with that. I just mean like movies that are actually out. She is very responsible. Yes, exactly, guys. She is very responsible. But Plus, I'm not into those shows anyway. <laughs> um, let's move on. Polly, I'm going to switch back to you, and you're going to give me the number eight 
spot for uh, for our top ten list. All right. Well, again, like I said, um, I'm not as much of a Marvel or TV person in general compared to Tia. So the next person that popped into my head was Rhodey, War Machine from Iron Man. Um, The reason I picked Rhodey was because, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. Again, I, I haven't seen these movies a thousand times like Tia. But he pretty much saved Iron Man many times. Like, they both helped each other out. Like, there was plenty of times I don't think Iron Man would have even made it if it wasn't for War Machine. They have a very unique friendship in that I love the way it started because Rhodey was one of those people that kind of was a little disgruntled by Tony Stark because Tony Tony Stark was always breaking the rules. But, yeah, of course. <laughs> because that's just kind of in Tony Stark's uh, nature. But they, yeah. they're they're such a good pair. They're such a good friendship. Um, Rhodey, I love seeing now that he's getting more developed. Uh, that he had, he seemingly had more of a role in Infinity War, and he was one of the survivors. So we know that he's going to be highlighted a little bit more in Endgame. So that's great. Mm. Yeah, uh, that is awesome. And then uh, and, speaking of, I don't know why I said Rhodey, but also Jarvis is like really his best friend. Jarvis when Jarvis was uh, Jarvis. And AI. Jarvis, but not when he was Vision, I would say. Yeah, but, well, sort of. A little bit. <laughs> But Rhodey has really kind of stayed as Tony's companion and really just his best friend and the fact that uh, has just really stuck with him, you know, this Didn't whole time. did he die? I thought he died. I don't know why I thought he died. No, War Machine did not die at the end of Infinity War. Um, when he fell he got, out of the sky? No, that was Civil War. He got injured. He got injured Mm. because Vision was trying to laser Falcon, and Falcon dipped because he's like, I don't want to get lasered, obviously. And then the the laser hit War Machine, which, by the Mm. way, I always hated that, right? Because Tony made it seem like it was Falcon's fault, and I'm like, Vision was trying to get Falcon, so Falcon would have been injured if he hadn't dipped while in the sky, and that hit Not Warden. even that. There was plenty of other examples where missiles or whatever were coming behind Tony, and Jarvis warned him, and he got out of the way. Like, I don't understand how that... You know what I mean. Uh, even War Machine, he had the same technology, you know? Yeah, he could have alerted War Machine. Um, and plus, Vision is super powerful. Like, I mean, like, how do you miss? <laughs> it's just this whole thing. I think that was definitely one of those, I don't know how to describe it, but something that was it's overlooked. It's a movie they had to happen. Yeah, they had to have it happen, and War Machine get hurt. And, and by the way, then commenting on kind of what this whole top ten is about, supporting characters. If you really think about it, you know, Tony Stark was devastated that War Machine was injured. I mean, he thought that War Machine, that Rhodey died in that scene. Yeah, exactly. That's why I thought so. Yeah, so the fact that 
Tony was so devastated just really goes to show you how much Tony cares for Rhodey. I'm just really excited to see Rhodey in Endgame. Um, I hope I Tony to... doesn't die. <laughs> I, I really wish, don't. I wish that we had uh, Kevin on this podcast. Because Kevin is a huge uh, Tony Stark fan. And anytime I even try and say, like, hey, you know, there's a possibility of Tony dying in Endgame. He gets so upset. He's like, don't you talk about my man that way. And I'm like, I'm, I'm not saying I want Tony to die. I'm just saying if I, you look at, you know, how movies are, they, they could put that in as, like, this emotional, like, uh, bow tie for Tony Stark's story within the MCU. Exactly, exactly. I know he's very arrogant, but it's funny in a way. It's like he's not just arrogant. He, it's like he knows he's arrogant, and it's just I, I love his character. Tony's had a great um, arc throughout the Marvel. And he's very truthful. Universe. He's like so blunt. Well, what I love about it is that you know he started as this arrogant rich boy um, who really, you know, he was a playboy. He had girls every night. He was very just kind of like the typical bachelor, you know, rich bachelor. But then we see him transform, and he first of all he goes overseas and he sees that his weapons are being used by the enemy. So he immediately exactly wants to get that was his turning point to me. That was his. That was his turning point. He immediately knew that he had to make a change. And now we see he cares. He's with Pepper. He cares for Spider-Man. Like, there's so much good within Tony that has yeah, really just Yeah, that surprised me that he took Spider-Man under, under the wing. I didn't expect that. I didn't expect it, but I love it so much. Yeah, I think me too. I think their uh, bond is just so perfect. I cannot wait for um, Tony and Rhodey to be reunited in Endgame. Um, and we're going to, and we're obviously going to see um, how the devastation of witnessing Spider-Man's quote-unquote death in Infinity War affects Tony. I mean, that's going to well, be not even up. that. I'm wondering if like, you know, because it wasn't just the Avengers that disappeared. I mean, he wiped out half the Earth or the universe. So, like, are they going to save all those other people as well? Or, you know, I'm so curious to see what happens. I'm very curious. But I, one of the things that pointed out in one of the trailers was that there seems to be, like, support groups for people that there's mm. support groups for the survivors. So Imagine that. Be... Like, what kind of a support group would that be? Sorry, your family just evaporated into dust because <laughs> of this alien. But I'm here for support for you. How do you even explain that, though? Do you tell them that it's because, hey, this, like, out of, you know, outer space being uh, was so arrogant that he decided that it was within within his right to do this? Or do you just say, oh, it was just some sort of phenomenon? Honestly, if you turned to dust in front of me, I'd go to church every day the rest of my life. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even go to church. (laughs) Oh, by the way, really quick, I don't know if I should say this on the the podcast. What, don't um, say that? No, no, I was going to say happy 420, by the way. Uh, oh yeah! Out there. <laughs> Holy shit! It's four twenty. 
Yep, I don't know why I just uh, thought about that. <laughs> also, thank you, everybody who works for GBN and Tia and whoever's listening for allowing me to do this. Oh, I mean, they're awesome. Geek Vibes Nation. Go check them out on Twitter. But They anyway, are very we, awesome. <laughs> we are far from over on this list. I'm going to hop over and take the number seven spot. Um I'm going to put, I don't know if you really know this character too much, Polly, but I'm just going to say him just because I want to talk about him. So I'll just, mm-hmm. you know, obviously lead the conversation. But um, Go ahead. I'm going to pick Logan from Westworld. Now, Ben Barnes played oh, Logan. Oh, my God. I was just thinking of Westworld. Really? <laughs> I was thinking, I forget her name, the girl who turned bad in the end, the blonde one, the robot. Dolores. Yeah, I, I, I know she's not technically a supporting actress, but sort of at the same time because Logan's like the main character, really, I think. No, Dolores is really, Dolores and Maeve are really the main characters of Westworld. Uh, I, I guess so. Sometimes it's confusing. Like sometimes it, it, it really is. Like it's hard to tell. Like who's like the main, who's not. Like, uh, when it comes to Thor and Loki, even like the so obviously Loki's the, the supporting character, but at the same time he's not. At the sometimes. Well, I feel like Westworld is almost designed to be confusing, but that's what I love about it. I have. Like, a few core shows that I get absolutely excited about, and Westworld is one of them. I was completely enamored with the first season, just the way that the storytelling was and how they kind of wove that in. It was absolutely uh, enticing to me. So, so obviously, I knew Ben Barnes from The Punisher, right? And Mm -hmm. he plays... And he plays Logan, this, you know, kind of arrogant playboy, almost similar to Tony Stark, I guess, in that sense. And he yeah. and he loves going to Westworld. But then you find out all this other stuff about him. Uh, and you had this character in the first season who really was just there to pretty much be the uh, shit starter. I mean, he thought everything was fun. You know, he was yeah, in the... Exactly. He, he was in the park, and he wanted to shoot him up. He wanted to have sex with all the robots. You know, he wants. You know, he was just until like, he this. realized shit was real, and then he changed his whole thing up. <laughs> but right. then he find out later on that the old man was him. Like they didn't put you onto that for like I don't know how many seasons in. Oh well, Paulie, they they found out that um, the other guy was the man in black. So oh, that, that's yeah. right. I'm bugging. That's yeah. right. That's right. Mm-hmm. The good one. The good one who was the one who was like, don't hurt the robots, don't do this, ended up then being the man in black. But that's a whole yeah, other story. Yeah. You're right. You're right. So you hey, had by Logan. the way, I just want to apologize. There seems to be a delay between us. So if I'm cutting you off, I apologize. Yeah, I I have noticed that a little, but it's all right. You know, it, it seems like you're done talking and then I just start talking, but you're not. So I apologize <laughs> for that. It's completely fine. It's blog talk. Um, but 
I was going to say, you know, just kind of continuing on with it, uh, Logan, who in the first season, it was all this fellow laws that I just said, but you find out that the scenes that you see between Logan and uh, Will are set in the past. And so yeah, then, exactly. And remember at the end of season one, we see Will put Logan on a horse naked and, you know, kind of like sets him off into the sunset. Well, <sighs> you find you find out this, and I don't know if you watched it season two with me, Polly, so I'm about to drop some major spoilers right now. I think I watched right the now. entire thing with you from, front, from start to finish. Mm. Well, we usually you, do. We do, but uh, then I guess for listeners uh, who didn't watch season two, major spoilers coming up. But Logan, you find out really tragically that Logan died, um, not in that moment, but not too long afterwards because that he was out in the sun, he was exposed, and it really sent him into like a alcoholic drug, you know, kind of craze. And you find this like really tragic story about Logan in the second season. You realize like, wow, like. Maybe he was just a douchebag because he was really, you know, depressed or something like that. But Didn't anyway, he get held captive too? Well, the whole thing was that he was out in the desert and he was just sitting there in the sun. And they show in season two at some point one of the, uh, and I forget his name because he ended up being a pretty big character as well, but uh, the leader kind of of the Native American tribe. Oh, yeah. Puts a blanket on him, but says, you know, your people will come for you. But it was a while still before they came for him. So that really messed him up. And then uh, Will marrying Logan's sister, so then thus getting the family business and essentially kicking Logan out of it. And then you see Logan's father essentially disowning him. And it was really tragic because uh, they said, like, they showed a flashback of Logan asking his father for help and saying, you know, he was at rock bottom and he needed help and the father walking away. And they said that Logan, you know, overdosed six months after that. And I was like, oh, my God. I was like, well, why? He, he probably shouldn't have been sitting in the sun in the desert. Why didn't he just get up and walk away? Well, he was dehydrated. I don't know. Because uh-huh. of, because of cinematic purposes, but... It's like, hey, Indian guy, I don't need a blanket. I need water. (laughs) I think at one point he did say, like, help me, and he was like, your people will come for you. But (laughs) I think that even though he essentially was a supporting character, when you talk about Westworld, and if you ask people who their favorite character is, they're definitely going to say that Logan is one of their favorite characters. So Yeah, had, he is. I had to put him on this list. But, uh, Paulie, I'm going to shoot over to you. I hope you got more for us because you're going to hit the number six spot. I have a couple more, and I'm trying to do a little research at the same time. Um, before I say the next one, I just want to throw them out there anyway, just so I give them a little bit of light. And I'll tell you, you might kill me, but one of my oh. favorite, favorite of all time, uh, side characters is, uh, Don Knotts from the Andy Griffith show who played Barney. 
Um, that's such an old school show, but to me, that's like my favorite side character. But uh, my next pick was actually Spock from uh, Star Trek. Um, go into a little why. Why? Well, see, that's where I was making that point before because, like, Spock to me is like he's almost like the side character, but not at the same time. Like, so I feel like there's like a thin line between being like a supporting actor and the main character because he did both at times, you know, like, um, I mean, he was about to kill himself just to save everyone, like just by sitting in that volcano before it froze, you know, and then on top of that, like his logic, you know, has done wonders for everybody. Yeah, Spock is definitely an iconic character within uh, the Star Trek universe, and really pop culture in general, everyone knows who Spock is, even before I ever, ever watched anything that remotely had to do with Star Trek, I knew who Spock was. You just know who Spock is. And obviously obviously he was was portrayed by the uh, late and great Leonard Nimoy. um, Which was awesome. Yeah, he did such a great job. But I also really liked Zachary Quinto as Spock in the newer Star Trek movies. Well, that's my favorite. I, I mean, I've seen the older Star Treks, and Spock is cool, but to me, nothing beats the new ones. Like, Spock just overdid himself. <laughs> like, I could watch those movies over and over again, and every time it's emotional and exciting. And even at times scary, like when the city was being destroyed, I forget, I think that was the second one when the ship was uh, crashing, when Khan jumped out of it. Yeah. You um, know, even I, that, like, the, those scenes, like, actually put emotions in me, like. Yeah, and for a character who's a Vulcan who isn't supposed to show those type of emotions, it was really beautiful. I well, have I to think he was half Vulcan, right? Oh, no, that's Spock. Vulcan. Spock is half Vulcan. Right, Spock is half Vulcan, but, um. I have to tell you this little fun fact that I really try to say every time Spock is mentioned because I think that it needs to be talked about. But remember remember how in the newer uh, Star Trek movies, he was lovers with Lieutenant Uhura, Uhura, right? Mm-hmm. That's her name? Yeah, I think it's Uhura. Yeah. Oh, gosh, I'm going to look that up really quick. I don't know how to spell that. Don't ask me. <laughs> you know, so you know what that's reminding me of, too, which I, I'll, I'll pick it as my next one, actually. Okay, okay. Um, oh, Uhura. All right, I, I was pronouncing it right. But he is lovers with Lieutenant Uhura. Well, in the original, um, in the original Star Trek, there's like Enterprise? No. The original, like, from the 60s, like, William Shatner type thing? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was called Enterprise. I might be wrong. No, you know what? That's the original Star Trek. There was actually, believe it or not, a uh, a Star Trek Enterprise show. Yeah, old, old show. But with the original Star Trek, with um, William Shatner as Captain Kirk, uh, there's an episode where Captain Kirk kisses Lieutenant Uhura, right? 
And it was oh, a big man. But it was a big deal because it was the first interracial kiss on TV. But well, when they, did, they did it. Well, what I was going to say was in the newer, um, in the newer uh, movies, you know, it's Spock who's in a relationship with Ahura, and people think, oh, well, they switched Spock, you know, and Captain Kirk. But the thing is, in the original 1960s one, it was always written that Spock was going to be the one who kissed Ahura. But William Shatner, who played Captain Kirk, who was, you know, no offense to the actor, but I think I've heard that he has a little bit of an ego, said if anyone is going to have the first interracial kiss on TV, it's going to be me, who's the main character. So Yeah, so- that's so stupid, really. Because to me, like, Spock was a huge part of that movie. Like, Spock was just, in my opinion, Spock was equal to Kirk. Almost. Exactly. No, you exactly. know what I mean? He's a great character, um, and I loved him in the new Star Trek uh, movies. Again, Zachary Quinto, who's the actor, did a fantastic job. Um, there, ooh, I almost felt like I was losing my voice there a little, but... Uh, they sound have, fine. Thank you. Thank you, love. You're welcome. Um, they... <laughs> I don't know if you know this, Holly, but they have a new Star Trek show called Star Trek Discovery, and there's mm-hmm. another there's another actor who plays Spock. I don't know how ah. he portrays I don't know how he portrays Spock, but the show is actually doing very well for itself. Um, the only thing ah, is I hope on, so. <laughs> the only thing is it's on uh, CBS All Access, and I am sorry. I cannot keep paying for all these streaming services. I already am holding off for Disney Plus to come out, and that is about it. But That's like, yeah. who did you just say to me was going to be playing that new character? Um, uh, just before, I forget, uh, the guy who uh, was in um, that movie we just watched. Oh, oh Matt pa- Sweeney. Who was he going to play again? Pablo Schreiber is going to be Master Chief in Halo. Yeah, that's awful. Awful. No, no. Well, okay, so I don't play Halo, so I don't know anything about I'm Halo. I'm a huge but, Halo fan. But the thing is, like, go on Twitter, people are mad excited about it, about Pablo Schreiber, and I even, like, tweeted about it. I said, oh, I was like, sudden, I go, suddenly I'm so interested in Halo. And this one person was like, see, this is great you get people who are never interested or are now going to be interested because it has someone like Pablo Schreiber playing Master Chief. I know that maybe well, you're not so excited. I guess I it's love all right. Him. Because, like, during the Halo series, like the video games, you never saw Master Chief's face. Like, that was his thing. Like, he always had his helmet on. I think once they revealed his face. But most of the time, like, you had to guess at his face. So... They could have really put anybody, but he has to have that deep voice, and I don't think he has that voice. I think he can do it. That's just my personal thing. I hope so. When you have someone, though, like Pablo Schreiber, who's playing the character, they're definitely going to show him without his helmet. You can't just have him and not show him. But Uh, See, that sucks, too, to me. I didn't even know that because that's, like, one of – Master Chief's thing, like that he never took his helmet off. Well, I don't know this. I'm just making assumptions. I just feel like if you're going to have someone like him, they're 
they're not going to do that. But again, I could be wrong. They could totally um, just do that, and it would be fine. So yeah, um, that'd yeah. be cool. But uh, moving on from Spock, uh, I'm going to pick the number five slot. And I, you know, it's so funny. We're staying within like so many themes right now. But I am going to pick uh, Ward Meacham from the Iron Fist series. Oh, yeah, he was awesome. Yes. Uh, Say what you will about the Iron Fist series. And, again, I am no apologist when it comes to the Iron Fist series. That first season was absolutely atrocious. The second season really redeemed itself. I wanted it to have a third season. But the only reason why I keep going back and watching the first season is all because of Ward Meacham. And you really well, talk about – sorry, go ahead. Go ahead, babe. Sorry. No. Um, you talk about characters who you can feel for, similar to how we spoke about Loki. You have a uh-huh. character who, who is very real. I mean, he has his father's issues. Obviously, his father's like a zombie who abuses the fuck out of him. And he is trying to struggle with the idea of taking uh, care of the business, keeping his father's secret. Now he's dealing with the fact that Danny Rand is back and all this other stuff. And I just feel like his story arc is so real. And he's, if anything, making commentary uh, as the audience watching things. Like, and he's just so good his storyline, he is definitely the person that I paid attention to most in those, and even the second season, I was just so interested in his story, finding out more about him, um, all of that with his sister. I mean, even just his father thing was a lot to handle, you know? I couldn't imagine keeping that a secret from your family. Well, and that was the thing, is that Joy in the second season held such resentment towards Ward, you know, for that secret. But Ward was just trying to save her because I don't know if you remember the whole reason why only one of them could know is because the hand pretty much uh, told Carol, the father, that if anyone else besides Ward knew that they would kill them. So yeah, and then technically to... all they had to do was get on the elevator and go all the way down, and they would have seen them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But Ward was just trying to, like, protect his sister. And the scene that got me the most in the second season, because people had kind of guessed it, that the father had been physically abusive towards Ward even when he was younger. But in the oh, second yeah. season, well, in the second season, he explains to Joy, you know, oh, the arm that I dislocated skiing, the shin that I broke because of this. He goes, who do you think really did that? He was like, you know, uh, I, there were so many times where I was going to pack all my things and come get you, and we were just going to run away from this. You know, and Joy was like, yeah, but you never did. And I'm like, there. Ward is an emotional character, goddammit. Like, give him some Well, that's no excuse to go start shooting, like, the most strongest heroin on earth. <laughs> no, I know, but... No, listen. I'm just kidding around. <laughs> I love Ward Meacham. I really do. I didn't really like Joy, honestly. 
no, she really was annoying, and especially in the second season, she was just so so annoying. Um, but I am again, it's so bittersweet talking about these Marvel Netflix shows because we can talk and guess and theorize, but there's never going to be another installment, and that's so sad. <laughs> That we know of. Hopefully, they'll surprise us. Maybe. Hopefully. I just sit there and I'm like, please, Hulu. First of all, please, Disney, buy the rights from Netflix, right? Don't wait the two years for the rights to be released. Pay whatever you have to because I know you have the money. You just bought out Fox and you're getting like half. Disney pretty much at this point owns like half of the shit that's going to be on TV and the and in the movie. So you have the yeah. money. You Don't have pull the money. a Game of Thrones. What do you mean by that? Like wait, a, make us wait three years for the last right. season. Right. So pay whatever you want. You know, pay whatever you have to from Netflix, and then give the shows to Hulu because Hulu and Disney. Like Marvel still has a good standing contract with each other, so give it to Hulu. YouTube's coming up too, actually. I think I think YouTube, in a matter of no time, will be right up there with them. I I believe that because there's a show on YouTube. I don't watch it, but it actually has a strong following, and it's called Cobra Kai, and is a sequel series to Karate Kid. Like and now they actually adult. have YouTube TV that just came out. I'm seeing ads for. Yeah, well, that's what it's on. Or I don't know what the difference between YouTube TV and YouTube Red are. Well, what I YouTube Red, from what I know anyway, just basically allows you to. For, the only gig, the only uh, perk I get out of it is that you can watch YouTube and turn your screen off without the video stopping, without Red. If you shut your screen off, the video mm-hmm. stops. Um, from what I saw on the ad, YouTube TV is going to be just like regular TV. You get 70 stations and you pay, I don't know if it's a monthly fee or what, but they let you try it for free anyway. Yeah. Um, so if YouTube continues, because I mean, I think they are a little bit more low budget at this point, but again, with the following that they have for Cobra Kai, if they can kind of continue on that and then get more of a budget to start making even more originals, yeah, absolutely. It could certainly grow to the popularity of something like Netflix and Hulu. Yeah, exactly. They're, they're definitely going to do it. I think that they're the, going to be the next big thing, honestly. Well, especially with, and not to get too much into it, but Netflix is really just kind of, it seems like, uh, gosh, I'm like losing my words. They're falling off because, first of all, they're raising their prices. People are pissed at them for canceling, you know, all the Marvel shows, but also. And they don't change their content. They don't change their content. They, first of all, lose rights really fast. I'll see something on Netflix, and then within a month or so, it's like, oh, uh, blah, blah, blah is not going to be on Netflix anymore. So it's like they're losing their contract, and now all they have a lot of DC content 
but all their DC content is going to be soon taken away from them because Warner Brothers is going to be coming out with their own streaming service, and Warner Brothers, you know, owns DC property. So they're going to obviously take all of that off. So why? I'm not into DC that much, but I guarantee you, I mean, that most of Netflix fan base was watching Marvel shows. I can't imagine how many people will stop using Netflix once they completely stop doing that. See, this is the thing. Juana and I have talked about this. Netflix forgets that Daredevil, when it first came out in 2015, was a huge reason why most people even bother to get Netflix because they're like, oh, shit, they're developing a Daredevil series that's actually really good. And And because they built up this Marvel world, people wanted to continue watching it. So it's like you're really just fighting the hand that, you and that's it's like Eminem and Dr. Dre basically like it yeah it was supposed to be like a cohesive you know uh symbiotic relationship but Netflix decided I, we will never truly know why Netflix is deciding to do this because because they uh, suck <laughs> but Marvel and Disney were totally fine with them keeping these shows because people are saying oh it's Disney Plus's problem because Disney Plus, you know, is going to have Marvel shows. It's like, no, they were perfectly fine with Marvel, I mean, with Netflix keeping the Marvel shows because they knew people liked them. They knew that people liked how they were produced and because they had that grittier type of uh, theme to it, they were yeah, fine. Yeah, exactly. They were fine with Netflix keeping it. And even the head of Marvel television production said, this was not our decision. We are, like, devastated that fans aren't going to have this anymore because we know how much this meant to fans. So, yeah, that's what you said. See, talk for one more second so I can plug my phone in. Okay. Uh, I can huh. talk all day and night about Give me Netflix. One and their, yep, uh, Netflix and their uh, horrible decision. All right, decisions. all plugged in. Cool. Uh, I was just saying, I can talk all day and night about Netflix and their horrible decision to cancel my favorite shows in the world, but that's not oh, what we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just teasing. That's the thing, listeners. We live together, so he hears this all the time. <laughs> yeah, and I get to watch all these things with her. Tia literally watches these things, like, religiously, so she's, like, an expert at all these things. You know, if AJ was on, AJ always says that I'm going to get kicked off Twitter because for some, there was at some point where I was just, like, blasting Netflix every day about it. And AJ's like, Tia, next time you need to complain, just complain to me. Don't complain on on Twitter. And I was like, no, I want to complain on Twitter. And he was like, I'm afraid you're going to get kicked off. And I was like, kick me off. It's fine. Well, somebody (laughs) definitely should get fired from Netflix. Uh, I just can't even talk about it. I mean, if anything, they should have dropped every other show but the Marvel shows. Seriously. They keep coming out with, like, horrible original content, horrible original movies. But anyway, moving right along, Holly, you got the number four slot here. All right, this is totally random, and nobody's going to expect this probably. But 
it just popped into my head, and I was thinking R2-D2. Nice. You know what? Or RC-3PO, both of them even. Uh, I would would have to say R2-D2 most. Well, I was going to say there is a huge, huge Star Wars fandom, especially amongst the GVN crew. So people would be more than happy to hear that. Tell us why you think R2-D2 is a fantastic supporting character. All right. So, again, I'm not much of a TV person, but, of course, I've watched uh, all the Star Wars movies. My favorites were the first three, which are technically the last three, but the first three that came out, anyway, years ago. Um, And from what I remember, R2-D2 and R-C-3PO, I mean, even though they were like kind of like the comedic characters, did so much to help them along the way. I can't really specifically pick out a point, uh, like a specific thing, but I do remember that was a common theme with them. That, like they did things even by accident, which helped everybody out. Yeah, I, sorry about that. I had you on mute for a second, but. Yeah, I mean, R2-D2 is incredibly iconic. I mean, even when they were going through places, like, uh, oh, man, I forget names and stuff, but without R2-D2's tools and his robotics, they wouldn't have been able to get as far as they went. No, absolutely not. He was an incredible asset. Um, I'm not sure if we really could call him a he or she, but I guess just for uh, easy purposes, we'll call him a he. You have I to have R- as a he. You have to have R two D two. I mean, even it, so, I did see The Force Awakens. I have not seen any Star Wars movies after that. People, I guess, would kill me for it, but that's you know whatever. Um, but I uh, they all kind of sucked after. The, well, the, the recent ones anyway that I saw kind of sucked. See, that's the thing. I just don't like the new ones, but... They all look the same. People are iffy about The Force Awakens. Uh, People liked Rogue One, and there is a huge fandom that hated The Last Jedi, so... uh, But then there are some people who actually enjoyed it, so who knows? They're coming out with Episode Nine, which is going to be the end of this Skywalker saga, so... Oh, boy. But I was going to say, um, in The Force Awakens, my favorite scene was, remember BB-8, Polly? Oh, the yeah, little... he was the, the next robot, basically. He was like supposed to be like R2-D2's replacement, basically. Yeah, I mean, uh, if you turn around, you can see I, I have a BB-8 uh, pop up there. No, I know. I mean, he, he to me, he's, like, equal to R2-D2 because even without him, they wouldn't have been able to progress as much as they did. I mean, you know, he was yeah. tiny. He had robotics. They opened doors. They did all types of electronical fixes. They did a lot, you know? I thought it was so cute in The Force Awakens when BB-8 meets R2-D2, and they both do, like, a little happy dance. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is the cutest thing I've ever seen. I want to always watch this scene. I don't know if you remember that, but it no. was so adorable. No. See, not to get off subject, but can you guys hear my phone charger? Nope. Okay, because the wire sucks, and it keeps, like, unplugging and plugging in, and I'm hoping you guys can't hear that. 
No, I would tell you. I'm pretty good at that when I have okay. people uh, when I have people on the show like Ryan uh. um always seems to be somewhere where there's so much background noise and I'm like, Ryan, my dude, please go somewhere uh. quieter. <laughs> well, I'm using a mic booth right now. Yeah, stealing the mic booth booth from me. Um no, I kid guys, I kid. Um but yeah, R two D two? Fantastic character, such a iconic character within the Star Wars uh, universe. R2-D2 is very much like Spock. You don't need to have watched the Star Wars movies in order to know who R2-D2 is and in order to kind of own memorabilia, to enjoy it, all of that. I mean, I'm sure yeah, that there's exactly. plenty I'm sure there's plenty of parents who dressed up their kids as R2-D2 and they never, ever saw a Star Wars movie in their life. So, and didn't he I, grow up with Anakin? Yeah, I mean, he's been with all Anakin of the Anakin built Star Wars. him, right? Or was it just RC-3PO that he built? Yeah, no. Um, uh, Anakin didn't build R2-D2. Anakin who built was it that was a kid? And, yeah, kid, no, 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 sorry. Anakin was the kid who built C-3PO, but he didn't build R2-D2. C-3PO. Yeah. I don't know why I keep saying R-C-3PO. <laughs> yeah. I, I kind of thought that you were wrong, but I didn't want to call you out because, again, I'm not no, like, the No, call me Star out, Wars. please. <laughs> well, I'm not the biggest Star Wars fan, so I didn't even know if I was right or not, but I'm like, no, it's C-3PO. I, they're, they're an iconic duo. Yeah, and then you can't forget, um, oh, my God, people are going to kill me for forgetting his name. Uh, I can't even make it sound. The fuzzy guy, the big bear guy. Chewy, Chewbacca. Chewy, yeah, Chewy, too. Like all of the side creatures that people just really enjoy definitely yep. make the movie. Um, I think that the guy who played Chewy throughout all these years, I think I read something, and this is like two extremes, but he either retired or died because he's been playing Chewie since like the original trilogy. So, well, I imagine um, by now he might be dead. But this is just recent, honestly. Um, so I don't know. Uh, anyone who I guess then listens to this show, let me know what the real answer is. Uh, Paulie, yes, please do. Your number four, R2-D2, was a great pick. I'm going to move right along. We're kind of speeding through now. We're down to the last three. Um, well, I got more if it time's not ready. <laughs> you know what it is? Normally we need the two hours because there's so many of us and everyone kind of goes back and forth. But I do see typically when there's just two people, you go just a little quicker. Um, okay. The only the only one that I've ever done that was the full two hours was Brittany and I did American God season one. And that's just because uh-huh. we just, we just fangirled like nobody's business for two hours. And that was pretty well, I'm fun. I'm just putting it out there. I could think of a million things like R2-D2 wasn't <laughs> even on my list. <laughs> um, speaking about American God. My number three pick is going to be Mad Sweeney from American Gods. Of because, course. <laughs> because that um that uh angry, foul mouthed, heavy drinking leprechaun 
is definitely the highlight of American Gods. And don't get me wrong, there is so many fantastic characters on that show, but he just definitely points out um, just a few fun facts because I always like dropping them for people. Uh, Pablo Schreiber, who plays Matt Sweeney, wasn't even intended to originally be Matt Sweeney. They originally uh, casted someone else who I forgot, and I actually forgot it when Brittany and I did the uh, Top 10 American Gods ones, and I actually did forget who the, oh, gosh. Oh, Sean Harris. There you go. They should have picked Tyrion. No, the point was that he was supposed to be really tall. Um, But uh, they picked originally Sean Harris to be Matt Sweeney, and Sean Harris actually filmed an entire week as Matt Sweeney for American Gods, but then had to drop out due to personal reasons. So they needed someone ASAP. And, oh, screw uh, millions of dollars. They have personal <laughs> issues. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so they uh, got Paulo Schreiber, who said that if he was going to get the role, he wanted to get it without auditioning, and they gave it to him. And that's why his wig kind of looks messed up in the first season is because it was originally intended for Sean Harris, who has a much smaller head. So they had to cut it up for Pablo Schreiber, and that's why it kind of looks like a mohawk. But, and the other second uh, fun fact is Pablo Schreiber in the book, which Polia actually just finished the audio book, and it's fantastic. But in the book, book, Matt Sweeney is only in one scene. Like one, yeah, one dies, right? Right, very quickly off in the book. So the fact that we've gotten Matt Sweeney for so long uh, just really kind of is a testament to how much of a fan favorite he is. He makes the character. He's so much fun. There's such a redemption to him because he is initially this very, like, foul-mouthed, like, uh, aggressive person, but then you kind of find out that he is a bit of beholden to Mr. Wednesday. and uh, has a- I bet you if he had his coin, he'd be different. Well, that's the thing, and so his coin is held by Laura, but think about this, Polly. He had an opportunity to take his coin back. Remember that scene when the truck tipped over and Laura was on the side of the road with her chest all open up and the coin was on the side of the road. He picked up his coin. He even kissed it because obviously he was so happy. But then he looked back and saw Laura and decided to give it back to her so that she could, you know, quote, unquote, come back to life. So That's because you know, they like each other. They do like each other, and I know that you don't watch the, sh- the show with me right now, but they definitely did the dirty in episode five of season two, so hey. <laughs> Which is so awkward, like, because, like, her husband is still in the show, like, you know, like, know, that's but... like, did he ever find out? Does he know Shadow Moon? What, that she's alive, or is that same? No, that she had sex with Mad Sweeney. No, he doesn't know it yet. But Shadow, uh, I don't think. But I don't think Shadow is into her anymore because remember in season one she asked him. She goes, "Are you still my puppy?" And he said, "No." And, well, if you died and came back to life and had sex with somebody, I'd still be pretty tight. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, if Shadow does 
happen to find out, I guess we will see what the ramifications are for that. But, uh, yeah, Sweeney definitely likes Laura, which is why he's been trying to find ways to get Laura to come back to life so she doesn't need the coin anymore. Because, again, Sweeney had an opportunity to take the coin from Laura and decided not to. But I just love the backstory. Sweeney works for Wednesday, but he clearly doesn't want to work for Wednesday. We're going to find all of that out actually in tomorrow's episode, which is all about uh, Matt Sweeney. And his backstory, as I've been reading like little theories, is super interesting. Um, We're going to find all of that out. But to me, he's such a highlight and such a standout for American Gods. Um, Mm. In a show where all of the characters are pretty awesome, but especially him. Uh, and I guess I've kind of rambled on a little too much. So, uh, okay. Do you want to give me your thoughts on Matt Sweeney being a supporting character? Well, see, to me, again, I, I have to bring this point up because I feel like in TV today, like, unlike back in the day, like, for example, with the original Batmans, like Robin, you could tell, was definitely a supporting character. I feel like now with a lot of shows, like with Mad Sweeney, it's like there's, you don't, like he, uh, can you really call him a supporting character? I mean, like, it's like bordering. Like, sometimes he is, sometimes he's not. Like, you know what I mean? Like, to me, a supporting character would be like uh, Claire, basically, you know, like yes. she she's not really one of the defenders, but she's just there to help, you know? Absolutely. I definitely um Sometimes I can't tell. <laughs> well, you know, but you, I like Matt Sweeney. If you ask, like, I have no problem with Shadow Moon. I really like him, and his story in the second season has definitely become more interesting um but in the first season he kind of just seemed to be there everything else Mm. spectacular was happening around him but he was just kind of the witness but yeah he was at the bar drinking most of the time but to be honest with you from listening to the audiobook because i can't really call it reading i didn't physically read the book i listened to it but um that is very much shadow he is just really just there but the interesting part is in the show, Shadow seems to just be, like, in awe of everything. Like, everything is like, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit. Well, I mean, not for nothing. If I was a regular dude and my wife died and came back to life and then I met God, I'd be in pretty much, like, shock for a while. <laughs> but in the book, like, book version of Shadow, Shadow is very just, like, go with the flow. Like, that whole uh, scene with Chernabog when he's like, you know, this and that, like, Shadow's just chill with it. Like, has, in the book... Has Shadow Moon realized yet in the show that he's actually a demigod? I don't think... Ooh, spoilers. Hashtag spoilers, guys. Um, like, I know, he, I know he found out, I think, that uh, Odin was his father, but does, does he realize that makes him a demigod? So hashtag spoilers to anyone who's listening. They have not explored that on the show yet. That's in the book. Um, so sorry, guys, if we just kind of ruined Sorry, it. guys. If, if, <laughs> sorry for asking. No, no, no. I Listen, I, th- I should honestly, 
uh, start every show with, hey, there's spoilers for a lot of shit in this, so just to let you know. But, no, Shadow has not found out yet in the uh, series at all. Um, the uh. book just, I got to tell you, the book just ends super interesting, and I'm just wondering if they're going to even go in that direction in the show, because they've already changed so much. Like, again, Sweeney having a prominent role is not there. You know, even Bilquis. Bilquis is is hardly in the book, but she's obviously well, I mean, a main character. Throughout history, they've done that. Books are always different from the movie, kind of like One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. The book yeah. was totally different than the movie. Yeah, I just think that's kind of the creative freedom. But what's fantastic is Neil Gaiman, who's the writer for American Gods, like the book, actually has the heavy hand in the show, and he loves mm. that. They, and he loves that they develop the characters. He loves that um, they developed Max Sweeney, that they developed Bill Quist. He loves that they changed. They they changed the. I could see that. They changed a technical boy. He, you know, in the show. I hate that boss. guy. <laughs> I, I just don't like him. his face, man. <laughs> I, I just want to, like, smack his face every time I see him. <laughs> I am desperately waiting for Bruce Langley to have an interview with me. Bruce, if you're listening. Oh, is that him? <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, sorry, Bruce. I didn't know your real name, but I wouldn't literally hurt you. I'm a very peaceful person. I was just no. exaggerating. No, technical boy. I see that all the time. People are like, technical boy needs to get hit. He's such like a dick. But Hey, um, you're rich and I'm not. So what can I say? <laughs> no, but technical boy, they changed up so much because, you know, in the show, he's like, you know, this really eccentric, uh, bratty guy who has like really wacky outfits all the time. But in the book, because <laughs> the book, I don't know if you know this, Paulie, the book literally came out like, either in, like, 1999 or, like, 2000 when, like, social media didn't even exist. It was just the Internet. So Technical Boy looked like the typical, like, you know, I, I'm in my basement and never leave and, like, you know, heavy set with a shit ton of acne wearing, like, a black trench coat and everything, you know? Wow. Like, yeah. They never the, made any sense to me anyway, the new gods, because, like, technically when you think about it, like, Zeus, um, um, what's his name? Um, Anansi and all of them. Yeah. Like they were actually worshipped throughout history. Like people don't literally worship technology. We just use it a lot. So it's not like I sit down and pray to my computer at night. You know what I mean? So like I just never understood that. Like so they're yeah. not really like gods to me. It's almost like they're just like entities that people have manifested by putting energy into their electronics like well essentially that's what they kind of say that old gods are too like just manifestations but it's different because back then you were literally worshiping an individual but this you're in you're almost worshiping a concept like you know they had american gods has had a lot of fantastic marketing where the new gods will say you know by you even reading this on Twitter right now, you're giving me worship with every click, every this, you know, you're worshiping me. Um, is there anybody in charge of all of them? Like, kind of like how Zeus is basically like the father of all gods? 
Well, Mr. World is essentially the leader of the new gods as the god of globalization. So um, is he, like, equal to Odin, basically? Well, yeah, they're the two, like, head honchos, which actually, in one of the most recent episodes, I love this one scene. Oh, you got Holly, you have to watch it. But in this one scene, uh, Odin, Mr. Wednesday, wants to get money on his side because obviously there has to be a god of money. And so both because Odin's like, if I have money on my side, Mr. World isn't going to mean shit. So there's that, there's a one scene where, and by the way, the guy who plays money literally looks like, uh, not exactly, but like Colonel Sanders with the freaking glasses and like shit like that. It's so funny. (sighs) But, um, Mr. Wednesday and Mr. World, like, go up to him to kind of, like, get him on their side. And Money's like, he, and Money goes, well, I'm really honored to get the two, boy, the two big boys in the God game, you know, coming to me. He goes, but sorry, you know, there's just too much risk here. Money stays in the bank. And I'm like, because it was just so perfect. But, wow. yeah, American Gods is just kind of like a series of, like fantastic supporting characters because Shadow is technically the main character, so you can call everyone essentially supporting characters. But you're right, Polly. Everyone. And he's not have... even that exciting to me, Shadow Moon. Yeah, I mean, but I, and I think that's kind of his role in it is that he's supposed to play like the quote unquote straight man, but it just yeah. makes me more. But it just makes me more interested in everyone else. So plus, he's uh, trying to still figure everything out. Well, that's the thing is that I don't know if like Shadow one hundred percent believes, even though it's like right in his face, like with everything. Um, I mean, if I was lifted up in the air by a beam and flown away, I would believe it. <laughs> I mean, that literally happened to him in the second episode of season two. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yes. Sorry, everybody. I wasn't talking about that. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so Matt Sweeney definitely is my number three. Ollie, I'm going to give you the number two slot. All right. So um, I'm actually trying to decide, um, and this can go for anything, like a show, cartoon, movie. Mm-hmm. All right. So um, I wanted to say Colleen from uh, Iron Fist, but I'm kind of thinking Jake from Adventure Time. I don't know why. I know that's silly. I don't know if I should pick that one. Do you think I should? I I would say Jake is kind of a mean character, honestly. Yeah, you think? Yes. Yeah, All right, then, so uh... let's go with Colleen. Okay. So Colleen from Iron Fist, all right, because... When he came back to New York City for the first time, he basically looked like a homeless, crazy guy. She was the only one that gave him a chance at first. If it wasn't for her, he might not have gone where he needed to go. Yeah. Colleen, like, believed in Danny more honestly than she probably should have because Danny was just crazy, but... Uh, well, he was well, right. It's not like he was making Shung Long up and all that. Or is it no. Kung Long? Kung Long. Kung Long. Sorry. I see I'm not an expert at these shows like Tia. 
I watch them, but still, like, she watches them over and over again. Like, she studies these shows. <laughs> <laughs> but Colleen Wing is a fantastic character. Not only is she a fantastic supporting character, she's a fantastic female character. You think so? Yeah, absolutely. She's I, very she's very strong. She, she is. Holds her, she holds her own, and she also has a bit of... Um, what you calls it? She's, Training. Well, I was gonna say she's well rounded as well because she had her upbringing with the hand, and she has to. To me, kind she's of, kind of boring. Really? But you put her yeah, on the list. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> well, that's why I said in the beginning I was debating on picking her because she does like when I think of her, she's not as exciting to me like as other characters. Well, if you want to change and put someone else as your number two, I wouldn't object to it. Um. Well, my my only other option was going to be Sam from Lord of the Rings. Sam from Lord of the Rings or Sam from Game of Thrones? No, Lord of the Rings. All right. Well, I never watched Lord of the Rings, but if you the want heavy to hobbit, who 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 basically was uh, Frodo's accomplice, basically. Well, I'm going to let you comment on that a little because I have never watched Lord of the Rings. Oh, well, it's been a long, long time. But Sam, you know, they were hobbits, basically, and their mission was to get the ring to this volcano to throw it in to destroy it. And Sam went with him the whole way. Like, he journeyed with him throughout the entire thing, all three books, I I believe. It's been a while. I read the books. I saw the movies. Um, but again, I'm not much of a TV person. Like, I don't know actors and actresses' names except for their stage names and stuff. Um, but Sam, I mean, he was a huge part of the journey, you know. He was very timid compared to Frodo. Like, Frodo wanted to adventure out, etc. And Sam was just always there with him, like, to the very end. Like, they both went to the volcano and everything. Like, he was the one... You know, at, at one point when Frodo got to the top of the volcano and he was going to throw the ring in, the ring almost was stopping him from doing it. Like, it was uh, influencing him, like, saying, basically saying, no, don't throw me in there. Sam was the one who was urging Frodo to do it. Mm. You know, but Sam was his adventurer from the very beginning. Um, so I know you're not a big, huge Lord of the Rings fan, um, but I'm more into, like, a lot of old school shows. Like, I'm not super familiar with a lot of new shows. Um, so all I had on my list was Micro, Rhodey, Colleen, Spock, and Sam. Um, I can think of other ones, like April O'Neil from Ninja Turtles. (laughs) No, no, no. I think that Sam from Lord of the Rings is a great choice, even though I don't watch Lord of the Rings. I'm sure one of the guys from GVN knows about Sam. Well, uh, Mike, who um, I don't want to say is a new addition, because he's been with us now for a few months. He actually has his own podcast, uh, Geeks Media Corp., which is actually a fantastic podcast. You can find it on our website at GV Nation. Um, He is a massive Lord of the Rings fan, um, and he's really funny with it because – 
uh, people are complaining that Avengers Endgame is like three hours, and he's like, dude, the Lord of the Rings. How do you complain uh, about that? It should have been six hours. <laughs> well, yeah, and he said, and he like mentioned, he was like, the Lord of the Rings movies were like four hours, so, you know, but, you know, whatever, but uh, so you would say that Sam, you know, really, like Frodo, really needs to rely on Sam in order to accomplish his mission. Yeah, so Sam was, I mean, Frodo was given the ring in the beginning and was told the power of it. He he was told never to wear it because when you put it on, the eye can see you, like the evil can see him, like where he is. Once he puts it on, he becomes like a beacon. And not only that, the more he wears it, the more it has influence over him to turn him evil. So by the time in the third movie, when he got to the volcano, he had worn it already so many times just to escape danger because when he puts it on, it makes him invisible. Mm-hmm. That it, it took a little bit of a hold over him, so he had trouble throwing it into the volcano. And I believe it was Sam who made him throw it in. But long story short, he stuck with him to the very end. He was like the angel on his shoulder, basically. And that, honestly, is what makes a fantastic supporting character. Yeah. Uh, uh, The Lord of the Rings almost seemed like... um, it, it, It seemed to me like they were talking about, like, maybe even drug addiction, like trying to compare it, like how much of a hold it can have over somebody. Like he just could not let go of this ring once he tried it on. Um, You know, Sam was there the whole time, like just helping him. Well, a lot of fantasy um, movies obviously have these messages and they're just putting it out there in a more uh, exaggerated, maybe dramatic fashion, but to really kind of make those metaphorical comparisons to. Yeah. So, um, uh, when, yeah, I would say Sam, but um, I, I really couldn't, well, right now anyway, talking off the top of my head, I couldn't think of another supporting you, character. When you said Sam, I thought at first you were talking about Sam from Game of Thrones because Sam from Game of Thrones has a very similar uh, relationship with Jon Snow, you know. The oh, him Jon too. Snow. Yeah. But but he, so, did he really do anything to help him in the show? Well, yeah. I mean, just being there with him, um, providing support, providing emotional support, physical support, uh, learning more to help assist in the war to come. So, you know, I, th- I think so. I would say that Sam is definitely a huge influence on Jon Snow and helpful. I mean, yeah. Sam's the one who, in the most recent episode, told Jon that he is a Targaryen. Yeah, of course, I saw that with you. See, me, uh, you know, I, I don't know why. I'm only 31, but I, I'm more into, like, old school shows like I guess growing up with my grandparents like I love like black and white shows like I love Lucy, Andy Griffith um what do you call it uh I can't even think the names off the top of my head the Honeymooners 
you know, <laughs> shows like that. So, like, if I made a list myself, I would have picked, forget their names, uh, Lucy's Neighbors or, you know, people like that. Maybe one day we'll have a retro top ten. Uh, <laughs> but, that would be a good idea. You should do that. Maybe in the upcoming weeks, for anyone who's listening, uh, next week we are going to do the top ten iZombie moments, uh, and I'm actually going uh, to have I'm going to have Rob and Steph from the iZombie podcast joining me for that, and then the week after that, which will be after the second season of American Gods finished, Brittany and I are going to come back on for the best uh, the best scenes in American Gods season two. But anyway, Holly. We are yeah. down to the we are down to the number one slot. I as uh, I usually do. I'm gonna go over the list really quick before I give my number one. Okay. So <laughs> number ten is Micro from the Punisher. Nine is Loki. Eight is Rhodey, aka War Machine. Seven is Logan from Westworld. Six is Spock. Five is Ward Meacham from Iron Fist. Four is R2-D2. Three is Matt Sweeney from American Gods. Two is Sam from the Lord of the Rings trilogy. And one, before I go go to one, I'm going to set the scene up a little. This Right now, obviously, you know my obsession is American Gods, but for so long and still, uh, my number one obsession for forever, forever, is the Punisher. So as Aww, I number I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> so as number one, I'm going to do Frank Castle in Daredevil Season 2. Not Frank Castle in The Punisher, because obviously he was the main character, but Frank Castle in Season 2 of Daredevil. Because, first of all, let me just rave about this for a second. Oh, she, Frank, you're going <laughs> to... Frank I'm just Castle... teasing you, babe. <laughs> Frank Castle had the best intro ever uh, from the first episode in the second season when, you know, we set it up where we're finding out about all these attacks on the Irish, the cartel, the bikers. And at first they say it's an army of people. And then Daredevil picks that, you know, cartel guy off of the hook. And he's like, you know, the army, them, blah, blah, blah. And the guy's like, no, they, him, it's one man. And you just see Frank Castle's feet just walking into that hospital and he's looking for Grotto to get him out. And the fact that, you know, ask anyone. Everyone refers to Daredevil Season 2 as the Punisher Season 1. I mean, the best part was when they were on the roof. Right. Oh, that fight scene. I mean... Everything about that, Frank Castle, first, John Bernthal, who is a major obsession for me, everyone knows that, John Bernthal just portraying Frank Castle was absolutely perfect. And when you first see him, you know, as the viewers, you're just seeing this guy who's just absolutely obliterating people, and you're like, oh, he's obviously the bad guy. But then to find out his backstory and then how everything kind of transitioned, you have the trial, you have um, his interaction with Fisk in the prison, You find, and then you have Karen and Frank. He still is kind of a bad guy to me. 
No. I mean, no, not for nothing. No. Like, if someone <laughs> killed you, I would be pretty devastated. But, like, I wouldn't just go murder a million people. <laughs> well, Like, that's pretty Frank, bad. <laughs> as Frank Castle said on that rooftop with Matt Murdock, he said, you know, grief doesn't work the same for everyone. And that's how he was going to grieve. And you found out, even though you found out, like, the real reasons why his family was killed in the actual Punisher show, you find out, like, in the second season of Daredevil that it was uh, something that was overlooked by the police mm. that, that you know, they had tried to cover it up. They thought it was going to be a drug thing, and they knew that an innocent family was there, but they didn't feel like, you know, getting them out of the way because it would look too suspicious. And when then everything went to hell, they tried to cover it up by essentially killing Frank Castle. So, yeah. and, then, and then at the end, at the end, you have that one scene with Frank and Matt where Matt goes, um, you know, maybe we'll try it your way, just this once. And he goes, no, Red. He goes, once you've crossed my side of the line, he goes, there is no going back. Like, essentially telling Matt, if you're going to kill, that's it. Now you're a killer, you know. And maybe in Matt a way. Matt you off. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Well, I was going to say, you know, maybe in a way he's not necessarily a quote-unquote good guy, but he even says that to Matt. He says, what I do, I just do. Like, I do it because I just have to do it. And I don't know, just Frank Castle for Daredevil Season 2, that was my main focal point. And I love Daredevil. Daredevil Season 3, I rank as, like, the, like, maybe... It's tied, like, Punisher Season 1 and Daredevil Season 3 are, like, tied for, like, the number one spot um, as, like, the best. But Season I mean, 2... Plus Punisher got shot in the head. Well, yeah, you know, you gotta, like, pack all these things. But, like, Daredevil Season 2, like, I really couldn't care less about Elektra and her whole story and that. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. Elektra sucked. It was all about Frank Castle. I love the relationship that he developed with Karen, how they seem to have, like, such a connection, even in a short period of time of knowing each other. And we obviously saw how long-lasting that was throughout the seasons that came afterwards. So, yeah. And my you're forgetting is, somebody, too. Who am I forgetting? Uh, I forget his name, but he was definitely an awesome supporting character for John Bernthal. Um he, uh, uh I forget his name. Curtis, the guy who held the meeting. Oh, yes, yes. Well, okay. So, really quick, um, because I do, after the list, always do, like, honorable mentions. I'm just going to finish up with Frank Castle really quick. Go ahead, just tell me to shut up. Sorry. No. Oh, my gosh. No, no. No, no I'm just kidding. <laughs> Anyone who's listening, this is fine. Um, but uh, I'm just saying... Frank Castle in Daredevil Season 2. John Bernthal was the absolute right pick for it. He completely, like, made that character his. Um, and someone pointed out, I read this, like, really fantastic article. I wish I remember who wrote it. It, you know, was a long time ago. But he said that uh, John Bernthal could embody the Punisher without ever having to wear the skull. Because in Daredevil Season 2, it was only till the very end, like the last episode, that you see him wearing a vest with a skull on it. 
but you knew I, that he was the Punisher. Like you honestly, felt it. I wouldn't even want to watch Punisher anymore if it wasn't John Bernthal. No, and that's the thing. Like it for me, if they're gonna bring back these shows, right? Like say Hulu does decide to bring back these shows, do not recast them. If you're like, hey guys, we're gonna bring back the Punisher, but sorry, John Bernthal's not gonna be it. Then I'm like, no, 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 no. Then I don't. That's want what they it. did with The Office with Steve Carell. Like, who the hell wanted to watch The Office after that? Right. So do not recast John Bernthal. It's John Bernthal or bust. That That's it. And, and I go as far as say that's the same with Daredevil. I do not want someone else for, for Matt Murdoch other than Charlie Cox. Um, and even Jessica Jones and Luke Cage, not for nothing, they can recast Iron Fist if they want to. Sorry, but they can. But See, not... Iron Fist, to me, like everybody says he was a bad actor. But uh, you've mm-hmm. got to think, too, that like his character, he wasn't like everybody else, for example. like He was sort of childish because of the way he grew up basically, you know, he was rich and everything, you know, and, you know, not to say that, not to be stereotypical, but, you know, maybe because of his status, he he didn't act as serious as everyone else, other than when it came to his Iron Fist stuff and, and Kong Long and all that. And I understand that, certainly. I think that the actor did a much better job in season two. Um, I'm just saying that I wouldn't necessarily mind because, as we already said, uh, Ward Meacham was the person that I was, uh, you know, focused on more with the Iron Fist. But uh, for honorable mentions, yes, uh, thank you so much, Polly, for pointing it out. Curtis has to be. Curtis is dope. Curtis has to be because, and I love that, and I will say that I did like Punisher Season 2 a little better than I liked Punisher season one because they definitely developed Curtis more in season two. And he, he was a lifeline for Frank. I mean, he was, he was a like friend. the voice of reason. He was the voice of reason. Not only was he a voice of reason, because, you know, he told Frank, like, you don't need to keep punishing yourself. You can have a life now. Like, you don't need to be afraid to have a life. I know that it's stuff that Maria and the kids were killed, but you did what you had to do. You completed your mission. Now you have a lot more life to live. And then, you know, he was a lifeline, and even though he was a voice of reason, he was still, when Frank came to his door asking for help, he always helped Frank. He helped Frank find Micro. He helped Frank fight in season two. So, and then in the end, he like, like, even though in the end of Punisher season two, he said to Frank, I don't want anything to do with this anymore because honestly, it's getting out of hand. When Billy Russo, when Billy Russo called Curtis, Curtis called Frank. He didn't have to. Billy Russo called Curtis for help. Curtis could have went and helped Billy. But even though he had told Frank he was done with it, he knew that Frank needed to complete his mission and call Frank anyway. And he still Yeah, he had a good heart. Yeah. So Curtis, honestly... Weren't they both Marines, too? Well, that's how they met. So the thing is, Curtis was... No, Marines don't leave each other behind, so... No. And that's the thing. Um, I love their relationship because Frank blames himself for Curtis losing his leg 
because he tells this whole story about the fact that Curtis was a corpsman, right? You know, his job yeah. was to help people. And while he was trying to help a kid, Frank lacked to secure the perimeter because he was too focused on this woman who was pregnant because back home Maria was pregnant. So he was like, oh, like, mm-hmm. I, I didn't even think twice that this pregnant woman was walking towards us, but the pregnant woman was the one who had the bomb vest on. And yeah, because, I was just going to say, she was the bad one. Right, and because of that, Curtis was so close to it, that's what, you know, made him lose his life. But Curtis is like, I don't blame you for that. Stop blaming yourself for it. Like, I don't sit here every day thinking to myself, oh, the reason why I don't have my leg anymore is because Frank, you know, didn't secure the perimeter. And it's like, that's just I mean, so plus nobody's a psychic. Exactly. Like, Curtis is just so good. The fact that he still sits there with his group of veterans and looks to help them out is just, so I'm glad that you pointed that out. Um, But, Polly, this is an amazing show. I think that we had a really great list. Um, Thank you for. I think so. I'm looking at it and I'm. Thoroughly satisfied with it. I wish uh, I had said one that I was thinking <laughs> of, but I didn't. Maybe next time. No, no, no. Mention it, please, please. Um, Daryl Dixon. Mm. Daryl wow. Dixon. He wasn't a main character, even... really, but he was—he was more of a supportive role. Um, I wow, we didn't even mention anyone from The Walking Dead, but Daryl Dixon is a great. Um, if you know, I think at this point he's I don't really watch anymore, but I think he's kind he's of not, to this. Yeah, he rose. He rose to the status of like a main character, but he was a supporting for a very long time. And again, Paulie, another fun fact here. But uh Daryl Dixon never existed in the comics. Um, he was just added on because they really wanted Norman Reedus to be in the show, but they had already casted Merle. So they couldn't have oh, him as Merle well. too is awesome. But Daryl Dixon, great supporting character. Um, kind of always like, if you want to say the voice of reason, because he never got like too emotional. He just did what he had to do. You know, he was. I could be wrong, but world. weren't there times where he just kind of jumped the gun and was like, "Oh, let's just kill him." Well, he so in the first season, that one guy who had gotten bit. And Rick oh, was yeah. trying. Oh yeah, he got bit though. And Rick was trying to like, you know, save him. And Daryl was like, "We have to kill him because he's going to turn into a walker." But Rick was well, like, "Well, that makes you sense. Know, yeah, you have to kill him." Yeah, well, exactly. I mean, you know, that's just kind of how the world lasted. Um, a yeah. lot of people blamed Daryl for Gwen's death because he did lash out at Megan, which then caused Megan to want to set an example and kill and he killed Glenn as a result. But he should have kept his mouth shut, but yet again, no one's a psychic, like how could he have known? Uh, it to me it seemed like he wanted he wanted Negan Negan to kill him, not not that uh what's his name? Oh Glenn, Glenn sorry. That's what I got to, from that, it, I almost thought like he spoke up so that he would pay attention to him instead and save well, everybody else. 
Well, I'm trying to think about why Daryl did lash out because I know that Negan killed Abraham, but then I feel like maybe Negan pointed the bat towards one of the women. And then Not that, even or, that. Like, I mean, think about it. If you were on your knees next to all your friends and some guy was had total control and was about to kill one of your friends, like, I would lash out too. Like, you know what I mean? That's a very tense situation. Right. It was an emotional tense situation that can you really blame the guy? Because at that point, he did kill Abraham. He literally smashed Abraham's brains in in front of everyone. So, Daryl. And, know, and knowing Negan, him. like, you would think that, like, he would have killed the person that lashed out, not some right. other random person. But I think that Negan liked that in Daryl. He was like, "Oh, you're you're like a like a loose dog, pretty much. Like I could use you, but I but you still disobeyed me, so I still have to to punish the group." And that's when he. I think they Glenn. killed Gwen just because it happened in the comic. <clears throat> well, yeah, and that was the big thing because. The Walking Dead has strayed away from the comics. So when they when he killed Abraham at first, people were like, "Oh, well, I guess this means Glenn is gonna live." And then, nope, Glenn died too. <laughs> yeah. By the way, um, this is my first podcast, so if I'm talking too much or if I should stop, just let me know. Um, Holly, no one thinks that podcasts are literally about talking. Um, no. <laughs> All right. Well, just so you know, I don't know. Just want to make sure. <laughs> no, no, this is great. I mean, this is why I wanted to do this uh, podcast with the supporting characters because we're literally going through all these characters who were not the main, but uh, they're sticking out in our head. They're obviously making uh, an impression that. Do you we have anybody really else enjoy. on your mind? Oh. Uh, if I have anyone else in my mind... Um, I have I one, know. but I think you disagree. Well, really quick, I would say I have two characters that were on my list, that, but I just didn't know if you like knew them. So really quick, I'm just going to throw them out. I'm not going to go that too much into go it. Ahead. But uh, Alfie Solomons and Peaky Blinders, who's played by Tom Hardy, I thought was fantastic. And then... Um, Tim Gutterson in Justified, I thought was a great, um, sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I was just going to say, I never saw Justified, but I did see Peaky Peaky Blinders. I just don't know, like, names. I need to see faces. Tom Hardy played the Jewish guy in Peaky Blinders, who was then essentially... That narrows it down. (laughs) I'm always teasing to you like that. I'm sorry. I'm a very sarcastic (laughs) person. Uh, He, at first, was going, Alfie, who Tom Hardy played, had dealings with Tommy from PE Blinders, and at first, it was going well, and then he had one of Tommy's uh, people killed, and he was going to have Arthur killed, but then he ended up being a supporting person of Tommy in the third and fourth season, so it went back and forth. But you watched Justified with me. It's the one where they're down in Kentucky and uh the like cowboy who's the sh- who's like the marshal and shit like that. Um uh, vaguely I remember. 
you know, uh, oh, shoot, yeah. Uh, oh, so, guys, just let you know, Pauly has, uh, his call has dropped. Sometimes that happens with um, blog talk. It's just a little funny like that. We're going to get Polly uh, back really quick, but as I was saying to him, um, as I was saying to him before, uh, Tim Gutterson from Justified, I thought was a great supporting character. He played the other marshal alongside uh, the Hello? main character, Raylan. Polly, you are back. Um, yes, just I am. Sorry. I was just explaining to the audience who Tim Gutterson was, but we have uh, eight minutes left on the show, so I'll let you put your uh, two that you just uh, threw your hands up with and told me that you have. All right, so one, um, I know, again, he became eventually more of a main character, but initially he wasn't really, but how about Groot? Oh, Groot. And then my second one, which I think you might disagree with, is Harley Quinn. Because initially, it was just the Joker as the main character. Harley Harley Quinn was just his, like, sidekick, basically. Well, you can definitely say that Harley Quinn was Not now. No, no, I was saying, like, was a supporting character because... Um, she was literally introduced in the anime series. She wasn't even an original comic book character. She then obviously then got integrated into the comic books, but she was introduced in Batman the Animated Series as the Joker's girlfriend. But she has now obviously become so much more. Um, and in recent comics and now even in an upcoming movie, she has strayed away from the Joker, obviously, um, seeing how sadistic he is and abusive to her. So Harley Quinn has definitely gone through a lot of changes. And as you know, and as you know, she is also a favorite character of mine. So I would say No, I know. That's why I was a little nervous (laughs) to say her because I was like, uh, I don't think, but I, I understand that a lot of characters are like that. They start off, some of them, they start off, as supporting roles and then actually grow into the main character. Well, yeah, absolutely. We see that all the time. Um, You mentioning Daryl Dixon from The Walking Dead, I thought was a perfect example because at this, you know, Holly, I don't watch The Walking Dead anymore, but at this point... Neither do I. But at this point, he is the last remaining from the original cast. Really? See, I don't even want to watch it now anymore. Uh, Rick is gone. Yeah, it Um, sucks. What about Carl? Carl was killed in season eight. Last I saw, he got his eye shot out, which should have killed him. I don't understand how he lived through that, but still, Uh, especially with no medication. (laughs) I don't understand how he lived through it either, but that's directly from the comics, so they were just kind of, you know, bringing that to life, but um, yeah. they killed they killed him off in season eight, which I think was such a dumb decision on the writer's part, because that did not happen in the comics at all. I never um, really liked Carl anyway. <laughs> I really didn't. Not, not him personally, like, I don't know the guy, but, like, his character, I, I never really liked him, honestly. Speaking about The Walking Dead, um, not 
I guess he's not a supporting character, but he's a great villain. Obviously, Shane, uh, John Bernthal in the first season. Yeah, Shane was all right, but I, I didn't enjoy him too much either. You're not the only one. Anytime I say that, people are like, Tia, stop being a Shane apologist. And I was like, never. I'll never stop. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's because you like John Bernthal. And if you're hearing this, John Bernthal, stay away from Yonkers and my girlfriend. No. <laughs> I mean, Paulie, he has dogs. He can come hang out with Lady, our dog. <laughs> and, I, and I just have to get out of the house, right, for a while? No. Nah, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it is funny, though. Um, on one of the recent podcasts that we were doing, um, I don't know if you know this, but they're making a Sopranos uh, prequel movie. And really? Yeah, and it actually has a fantastic cast. Um, and uh, so, one, so during one of the Geek Five Live, which is the show that we do our news for the week, I joined in mm. with Juwan and Nick, and I asked what kind Juwan of news like, do you do? I'm sorry. Oh uh, no, go ahead. Sorry, I, I was asking what kind of news you guys do. Well, they do, like, the news for, like, the week, trailer talk, movie, like, big things uh, in the movie. Okay. So, Sorry. So, um, I joined, this happened a few weeks ago, I joined Joel, not Joel, well, sorry, I joined Juwan, Juwan and Nick, and Juwan asked me if I had anything that I wanted to talk about, and I wanted to talk about The Sopranos, and as soon as I said, and John Bernthal is in it, and Nick goes, of course, of course, this is why he is interested in it, and I was like, yes. Yes, that's why I'm interested. They, they probably put him in there because he's so familiar and he's so big at this point. Like, they know that people would just be sucked right into that. Well, yeah, and then also Corey Stoll is going to be in Sopranos. Um, You would know his character. He's the bald guy who's, like, always in everything that, like, I watched, the tall bald um. guy. I always had this theory that when shows disappear and then suddenly come back and then cast somebody big like John Bernthal, that mm-hmm. the show's really sucks and they're just casting <laughs> John Bernthal just to get somebody to watch it, basically. I mean, I would say that's a pretty good strategy, but The Sopranos was big, you know, when I was a kid. So. Oh, me too. I love that show. So, and I, and we honestly are in, and I say this all the time, but we are in the age of uh, prequels, reboots, remakes, long, you know, sequels for something that came out 20 years ago. So And I can't it wait to up. see the new Pokemon movie. Oh, God. You know what? I would have never been excited for that, but now it's like I've seen the trailers, Detective Pikachu, I'm all in it. But Are you Polly, kidding? That's the first time you'll ever see Pokemon in that form. What's up? Oh, time to go. And the fact that they were able to do it and make it look so cool at the same time, amazing. But, yes, we don't have very long. We literally have a minute and 43 seconds. I just wanted to say really quick two things. Um, You can find me at gvnation.com. I am a frequent contributor. Uh, You can find me on Twitter at tcstark. Um, That's my username. I'm, again, 
a frequent writer for GBN. I do these top tens. I also do Geeks Against the Grain on Friday nights and then sometimes pop up on GDL. But, yes. And thank you, Polly, so much for joining me today. If you want to plug yourself and let people know where they can find you, please, this is your time to shine. Well, yeah, you can find me on Facebook. Just uh, type my name, Paul McCarthy. It's uh, M-C-C-A-R-T-H-Y, and uh, my Instagram link is there and everything. I'm not too big into social media. Um, I also did want to say really quick, though, that I only had literally a minute to prepare this list before (laughs) we started this. So next time I'll be more prepared instead of just popping things up like that. If I come on another time, so I apologize for that. No, that's the fun of Top 10. Um, Paul is a fantastic coder. Um, Yeah, I write websites and code. And also a fantastic um, musician, uh, you know, uh, doing like EDM and stuff. He did our intro. So, yes, um, please, with, sorry, 10 seconds to go, um, thank you, everyone. Have a happy Easter and happy Passover. Thank you for joining us. QGVN. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.